How about that? Here we are back on Nocturnal Journal, and here's our little tribute to the the Green City Market, kind of organized by my friend, Jackie. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are Pronounce you? your last name again. Jeanette. Jeanette. Jackie Jeanette, and tell us who all you brought in with us. I have Melissa Flynn from the Green City Market, Yeah. Hi. and my friend Nick Nichols from Nichols Farm in Marengo. And Melissa, your executive director. Correct. Thanks for having us. Oh, thanks for coming in, and thanks for being patient with a little bit of late start. Thanks for coming in, Nick. Yeah, no problem. So... Where do you want to start, Jackie? I mean, talk about your history with, with the market. You joined in about 2011, but you and I go way back. Right, right. So, talk about what you do in Beloit. Yeah, so we met at my restaurant and store in Beloit in, I think, 2009. You and me. I met. Yeah, 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 and uh, did some And things. don't understate that. That's a great place. Yeah, so we have a store there and a restaurant. We also, in 2010, opened a preservation kitchen, so we make... Uh, quite a few bottles of hot sauce and jam and pickles and things like that there and it's a pretty cool place it's a, a big part of our community and really kind of a community center so um, we're pretty proud of it and then as a result of that we became uh, involved with the Green City Market in 2011 and have been going there since then and you have a background talk about what you were doing in the Chicago area before you went up to okay, Hawaii so yeah that was a little bit different um, <laughs> in in Chicago I was in the software industry right um, I, I worked for a software company here locally and uh, decided um, a few years before I actually left that I wanted to move out of my 20 by 20 foot garden and got 130 acres and decided to get started with a farm so that's that's kind of how that started I exited the city so it's a, Casey. Have you ever been to Beloit? No. They're, they're in downtown Beloit. I mean, don't under, it's it's like in a former Woolworths, right? It's a big space. It is. It's a it's a total of ten thousand square feet. Yeah. 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 Big space. Yeah. So how do people, Melissa? How do people like, join the market? And I'm going to ask you a little of the history of the market. But so what? Ha how does this happen? I mean, sure. Did, so every year we have farmers apply. You have to be third party certified, which means you're either growing or uh, USDA organic, certified naturally grown. Another certification then lets the shoppers know these people are growing sustainably and leaving the ground better than they found it. So we were thrilled to have Jackie join us, and she's brought other farmers in through the years. And we every year go through a process where we vet all the applications and bring people back in each and every year. And talk about, a little bit about the history of the market, with Ad, going back to Abby, and she sure. went to Europe, and yeah, so yeah. That. <laughs> so we are celebrating our 20th year. It started with Abby Mandel, mm -hmm. our founder. She had gone to Europe and realized that the food just tasted so much better. And when she came back here, she realized it was really hard to buy straight from farmers. So she went, um, begged, borrowed, and pleaded her case, and we started in the alley next to the Chicago Theater with Nichols as one of oh, our first farms. Were, yeah. yeah, we were one of the original uh, founding uh, farmers that Abby managed to bring in, and uh, we've been there ever since. And how many, so d describe what the landscape was like. How many people were there? I mean, how many um, vendors were there? Going back 20 years ago, I, it was unbelievably different. Um, I mean, we were stuck in between the Chicago Theater and a Walgreens, just kind of like this hidden little cove where... Only the people that were really out to look for good food were willing to find us. Yeah. Um, 
And there was probably only maybe a dozen of us farmers from the area that were willing to participate. And uh, it's just been growing ever since. And, I mean, it's definitely been a journey where uh, lots of ups and downs. But now we are 20 years later and uh, hopefully another 20 at least. Your farm is in Marengo? It is. And what do you farm? Uh, we farm fruits and vegetables. Um, we've been uh, farming actually for over 40 years now. Uh, my father started uh, the farm back in 1978, and we've been doing farmer's markets ever since. Your father's name? Lloyd Nichols. Lloyd Nichols, yeah. and you're second generation. Correct. And what was it like to take that over? Was there, um, was there debate about it? Was it something you really wanted to do? <laughs> it's a family business. Yeah. Let's just say there's always a debate on absolutely everything. Yeah, um, he's still com- he's still involved, uh, not quite so much in day to day operations, but he always likes to stick his nose into just about everything. <laughs> so, what made you? I mean, uh, how'd you find out about the market here in Chicago when you? Uh, we've years actually ago? been doing mar- farmers markets ever since 1978. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad. He had a this was his part-time job this was his hobby and he had a full-time job and he wanted to uh do a little bit extra he had a, a little garden in the backyard and he's like well i have more produce than my family can consume so let's do this farmer's market and so in 78 he started going to the evanston farmer's market um and to this day we still go there Every Saturday, every Saturday morning, we were there this morning, yeah. and uh, it's just been a venture where we've started off at one market a week, and we've actually grown to now we do like fifteen farmers markets a week. Wow! Um, for everybody on the panel, uh, what about your uh, relationship with uh, chefs and uh, buying product and stuff? How has that changed and grown over the years? Um, there was a definitely what, maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was uh, a little spark where the first fa- or first chefs that uh, came to knowledge that they wanted uh, fresh produce, local, and you're talking about people like, uh, oh, Michael Garbin, it was at the Union League Club, Rick Bayless at Frontera. Those guys were guys that were or Paul Kahn's another yeah. one that you're looking at 15 years ago, 18, 20 years ago, they came to the farmers markets and they're like, wow, the quality of the produce is fantastic compared to what I can get in on the commodity market. And it's ever, it's been growing ever since. Um, I mean, and to this day now, every, every week there's someone else opening up a new restaurant and they're like, Hey, the quality is so much better. Why don't I use this over what I can get from anywhere? Melissa, has it gone hand in hand with such an explosion in, in restaurants in Chicago? Has it gone hand in hand with that? Absolutely. I would say it's been really, um, like you said, hand in hand. Chefs yeah. are more interested in where their food is coming from. And just as important, their guests are more interested in where their food is coming from. They ask questions and people really want to taste the best local produce. And just Thursday, we had our chef barbecue with over 101 chefs cooking for us. So the chefs have been a huge part of the success of Green City Market. We couldn't do it without them. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk more. I want to talk more about what people can expect when they come to the market. And maybe um, 
things for the future, what people can look at in the future. So don't go away on a Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Sometimes I hang my head and cry When that evening train goes by Wish it could take me far away From these farmer's blues We find any excuse to play Merle Haggard here on the <laughs> Nocturnal Journal. It's Merle Haggard and Marty Stewart, actually. Um, so we're doing a little tribute to the Green City Market, and we have Melissa Flynn, Executive Director of the Green City Market, Nick Nicholas from um, Nick Nichols. Correct. I just yeah. ran over that. Farmer from uh, Marengo, uh, Illinois, and Jackie Jeanette, our friend. Can I call you a farmer? Yeah. Yeah, and co-owner of Bushel and Peck in Beloit. You know, we're talking about all this. I'm rolling through everything uh, so fast. The Green City Market, we should say, is at 1817 North Clark, and it's outdoors. Give us the hours. Uh, outdoor, May to October. Sure. So every Wednesday and Saturday from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. in our West Loop location at 115 Sangamon. Um, on Saturdays as well, 8, p- 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. I didn't. So you're in the West Loop. We are. When did you move there? This know. is our seventh year, but really only our third year at the same location. So we're in Mary Bartlemay Park. Now you came from uh, Lincoln Square, Ravenswood. Talk about what you did there. So I was the executive director of the chamber there, and I worked with all independent businesses. I started an evening family or evening farmers market there, and a community garden, and just got to really know the farmers and love them and see what a difference it makes in the community. Not only does it bring access to great fresh food, but it gives a community gathering space, which is so important. I think even more important these days. Um, so I was talking to a friend today about this segment, and she lives up there, and she, I, she said she's never been to the Green City Market because she goes to the neighborhood markets. Mm-hmm. Is that a common thing, do you think? How many neighborhood markets? I used, to date, I used to date a woman who was involved in the market when she moved to uh, some other country. And, <laughs> they all do. And uh, so I'm not as familiar with the Green City Market as I, as I used to be. But how many like little neighborhood markets are there? At one point, there were 26 neighborhood markets really? um, across Chicagoland. There are a few less these days. And people do really shop what's most convenient for them. Green City Market, people do come as a destination. We have people coming from the Netherlands, from really all over the world, because um, we are a large farmer's market and, sustain- and focus on sustainability. But people want to go where it's convenient. So you get tourists and neighborhood people then? We Is do, right? absolutely. What did, you, uh, what did you bring from the Lincoln Square uh, experience into what you do now? Well, farmers are independent businesses, and uh-huh. so really getting an understanding of what we need to do to get people to care about where their food comes from and support an independent business instead of going the easiest route possible. And so trying to bring the focus back that cooking isn't drudgery, that going to a farmer's market is actually a lot of fun. It makes actually shopping a whole lot more fun. And a fun statistic is when you come to a farmer's market, you have 15 to 20 per personal interactions. If you go to the grocery store, you're lucky to have one or two. Yeah, right, right. Um, How many vendors are there now? On Saturdays, we have about 55, and on Wednesdays, we have 30 to 35. And what else can people expect? I mean, there's live music. There's music. Talk about some of the stuff. Sure. So we have music. We have a 5,000-square-foot teaching garden in our Lincoln Park location. We have Club Sprouts, which is a kids' program where kids can come every market day, taste something, get involved with a farm-to-table activity. We have our Ask the Chef tent. um, Yeah, what happens there? That's kind of new, right? Yeah, it's new this year. And so on Saturdays, you 
you can ask our resident chef, Lisa Kalabakis, if you just went and bought something, um, say you bought kohlrabi and you weren't really sure what to do with kohlrabi, you could stop by or ask the chef tent and she can help you out how to cook and it, how to store it. What's her background? Where's she She um, is a chef. She trained um, right here in Chicago and she's worked at a number of restaurants across Chicagoland. She's awesome. And she's also our head educator in our school programs. And that's chef in a tent. Yes. Mm, wow, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> You talk about uh, one theme that we talk about on and off in the show, and it was a theme of the Supper Club book that I did. Maybe mm -hmm. I remember. Is that. the Butterfly Club still it sure going is, in Beloit? Yep. Sense of place is like a big thing in, in a lot mm -hmm. of stuff I do. So when you talk about sense of place, talk about, and this is again for everybody here, establishing a sense of place. How do you do that? And then how do you define a sense of place? Sure. When you walk into Green City Market, all of a sudden you know where you are. Even if you haven't been there, you feel welcomed. There are people who come every single market day. I bet there's people Nick has seen for 20 years coming to the market. I have people come up to us all the time and say, oh, my kids grew up here. Or I was having a bad day and I knew if I got to market, I would feel better. And so it's sort of this welcoming place where people welcome each other. They look after each other. If a farmer's not there, I guarantee you 30, 40 people will come to the info booth and ask about them. And it's the sights, it's the sounds, it's the kids laughing because we have so many kids running yeah, through right. And then it's the colors, the vibrant colors of all the fruits and vegetables. So you really do feel like you are somewhere um, calm and not in the middle of downtown you're, you're, Chicago. You're bringing back all <laughs> these memories. When I Do you still have dogs? I remember we you see a lot of dogs. Absolutely. <laughs> we still have dogs. Yeah. Dogs are still okay. Dogs are still okay. <laughs> Nick, talk about some of the interactions you've had with... Uh, with, with it's people. true. I mean, I've been doing this my whole life, and I've seen families where... Kids were my age at 30, 40 years ago, and now they're bringing their kids and further along. And I mean, there's a day to day interaction with so many different people, and it's all walks of life. I mean, you could have a, a doctor, a lawyer, and but at the same time, you could have this a city bus driver or a teacher, and it it's irrelevant to what they do or what everyone's there to really have a good time get a some fantastic produce and to be able to eat well so what questions do they ask you <laughs> you can't even imagine <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it's all over the board but uh, I mean it's as simple as how do I prepare something or how long will this last in my fridge or if I can't get to it right away but uh, I mean, most of these questions are very simple, and I mean, we have a couple guys that work for us, and not that they're chefs or anything, but they're people that enjoy eating every day. And due to that, they, they could tell you the simple ways to prepare something, even if it's just dicing it up and throwing it in a salad. You don't need to be some gourmet person. It's simple preparation, quick preparation, uh, and the produce speaks for itself. Um, how old are you? I'm 41. 41. Do you get uh, younger people asking about making this a career? Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally. Yeah. And they always think that it would be uh, a fan, a fun, fantastic <laughs> thing. Yeah. And I always invite them to be like, hey, you want to come and live my life for a day? And let's <laughs> see how, uh, how you feel about it after that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have kids? I do. Uh, is there, are they on the radar for a third generation? Um, she's still awfully young, so yeah. uh, we'll see. Yeah. 
Now, when we talked the first time, Rich, your partner, he said farming was harder than running in the Chicago Marathon. I think it is. I and think elaborate on that. Yeah, so I think people think of farming maybe as being sort of dreamy and <laughs> fun and running around in pastures with <laughs> little no lambs and petting them. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a it's a very labor intensive job and there there isn't a whole lot of money to be made in that um at least for at least for a while when you start out but it's um it's a very difficult career to take on if if you're really trying to earn a living doing it it's definitely possible to do it but it's it's not it's it's a business just like anything else that you would do and when you become a farmer you're really running your own business and you're 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 out in the field all the time being hot being cold whatever it whatever it takes to get the job done and why did you decide to do it um I wanted to be outside, mostly. I, yeah. I, I really have always been interested in agriculture and horticulture in particular, and um, it, I, I wanted to get out of the office and out of that environment and, and into nature a little bit more than what I was doing. So it was important for me to just get out of the city and go do something different. You started, uh, my notes from when we first talked back in 2010 or 2009, but sheep, chickens, turkeys, and you sold through the first uh, meat CSA in right. Chicago. And talk about community-supported agriculture. Yeah, so community-supported, excuse me, community-supported yeah. agriculture is a way of supporting a farm by buying a share in that farm. So you might subscribe to a farm, um, and they would give you a box of produce each week that varied with the season. Um, you would get that for e either each week or every other week. And in doing that, you're supporting that farm in advance of the growing season. So they're getting a little bit of money earlier than they normally would. Um, that's a model that a lot of farms start out with. That's how we started out. And ultimately we grew away from that, but there's several hundred CSA farms that you can choose from in the Chicago area. Uh, Nick, for example, <laughs> here has a CSA. Really? Yeah, we do. And uh, even for us, I mean, we're a relatively large farm for what we do. But, I mean, a CSA helps out so much because, I mean, we're all the cash goes out right at the beginning. You're paying for seed, labor, everything. And it takes time for produce to grow. And people don't always realize that it takes an unbelievable investment up front. And then it takes three, four months before that investment starts coming in and uh it's not always the easiest we gotta take a break but um are you worried about suburban sprawl i mean marengo i start thinking about stuff getting built up out there and we're right about at the edge yeah. of it yeah it makes it for a little bit shorter commute yeah. but uh <laughs> but but uh, it's gradually working its way that way how many acres do you guys have uh we farm just over 400 400 acres okay all right don't go away we're going to talk more about the green city market on wgn <laughs> Hoping this good food fills ya. Work my hands to the bone in the kitchen alone. You better eat if it kills ya. Pass me a pancake, man, drink. Having a derby, derby. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal, and we're paying tribute to the 20th anniversary of the Green City Market. And we have Melissa Flynn, Executive Director of the Green City Market. Nick Nichols, longtime farmer with the yeah. market from Marengo, Illinois, and our friend Jackie Jeanette farmer and co-owner of Bushel and Peck and Beloit. How can people find You've been on the show before on the radio. I mean, on the phone. Yep, I yeah. have. Uh, back, in, back, I think, in your first show I was. <laughs> 
what progress we've made. Um, talk about Bushel and Peck. I mean, you got events coming up. Yeah, uh, so uh, Bushel and Peck's is, is, again, it's a store and a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, we also do a lot of online sales. So if you want to find our products, which are delicious, you can get them at our website, which is www.bushelandpecks.com. Or if you want to make a day trip, you can come up to Beloit, maybe even on a Saturday. We also have a great farmer's market there that goes from 8 to 1 on Saturdays in Beloit, Wisconsin. And there's a lot of fun things to do in the town, too. So it's, you go see the snappers. You can go see the snappers. Yeah. That's right. You can see some, some baseball. Yeah, right. But uh, it's, it's a great place, and it's a great day trip if you want to come and explore our shop and explore the rest of our community. You do a lot of garlic, right? Is yeah. That you think? Talk about your garlic. Uh, that's a fun thing for me. I don't know why I'm slightly obsessed with it, but we do <laughs> we do grow a fair bit of garlic on our farm. Uh, started out with 50 pounds about 12 years ago, and you know we'll grow anywhere from 3,000 to 7,000 pounds a year, depending on how good the, the crop is. But we'll be pulling that out of the ground next week, actually. Next week, actually. Yep. I've always so what you I've always thought about this actually a lot since I met you. I mean, what's your relationship with the market? Do you drive down a lot uh, from from Beloit yeah, to the market? Yeah, how we, often do you? We, show? Uh, I personally try to come to the market once about every other week. I, we have people that come in from Beloit on Wednesdays and on Saturdays so we're we're just driving basically all the time <laughs> but uh, but you know there's a there's a big market here in Chicago that doesn't exist in rural Wisconsin so a lot of farmers commute from a long way at very early hours of the morning to get to markets and that's just what you do if you want to connect with the larger communities Melissa, we were talking during the break. It, it, you said it costs money to get good food. So elaborate on what you mean by that. Sure, it does. Um, how Jackie and Nicole, Nick are saying that there's so much time and energy that goes into producing great food. Um, you start planting garlic, for example, in the fall. She won't pull it out of the ground till next week. So that is a long time from when you purchase those seeds of caring for it, of getting the garlic scapes and the green garlic and bring it all the way to when you have to cure it and then get it to market. So there's a lot that goes into growing food the right way so that you get the best, freshest food possible. And while she talks about farmers coming a long distance, the average distance to market is about 135 miles. At a grocery store, the average distance is about 1,500 miles. And the more your food travels, the less nutritious it is it loses nutrients each and every day so again while that's a long thing to do in one day you're still getting incredibly fresh food that was picked the day before and mostly hand-picked so these farmers are it really is the toughest job you will ever love <laughs> <laughs> is that true Nick? it is yeah. it's uh it's an all-day 24-hour adventure really and because i mean you're dealing with the weather you're dealing with insects you're dealing with everything that you can ever imagine and I mean, we start early and on a day like today where it was 100 degrees out, we had people that showed up to work at uh, four, three, four o'clock in the morning. So you could try to get out into the fields a little bit earlier where it's a little cooler. So it wasn't uh, even worse than it could be. Yeah. Um, we've got Farm Aid coming up uh, on September 21st and uh, it's up in... Uh Alpine Valley, Alpine Valley mm -hmm. yeah, up in Alpine Valley, and Ben, I covered the first one in '85 in uh, Champaign. What's the climate like? I mean, uh, you know, uh, Willie and everybody—they'll be talking about the struggles of the farmers. Uh, is it? What's it like right now? This year is going to be. It's definitely going to be a struggle. Um, the weather and uh, I mean, everything was really late yeah. being planted because of uh, being really cool to begin with, and right. then we had tons of rain, and now all of a sudden it's a heat wave. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Literally one thing after another. Um, 
you just grin and bear it. I mean, what do you do? You get out there, you do what you can. You have no other choice. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to wait a couple months and take care of it. No, you don't have that. You literally have no choice. If you want to get something planted and you want to try to make a little bit of money and revenue off of it, you go out no matter what the condition is. It's interesting. What about methods like your dad used as opposed to, I mean, you guys, is your generation more into computers and gadgets and stuff than your father was? And- My dad doesn't know how to computer. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so how does that play into what the next generation of farmers are um, doing? It's a challenge yeah. because especially in our, in our business, um, Trying to transition from how my dad wants right. to run something to how we do, there's a challenge and a learning process and everything. The younger the generation, the more they want to use computers. And my dad's the type that he wants a pencil with an eraser and a notebook. <laughs> yes. And that's how he wants it. And he still feels like he's involved and he wants to be involved. But at the same time, it's like, well, we need to try to advertise on the internet. We need to try to do this. And... It's harder for the older generation to transition to what's going on nowadays. But you've done that. I'm trying yeah, to. You're trying to. Yeah, yeah, always. He's being modest, too, because his farm is doing amazing things with solar panels, yeah, okay, with that's good. geothermal. Yeah. My, my dad was one of these people who really wanted to take care of everything. And about six, seven years ago, we put up a new building and expanded a little bit. And his number one concern was he wanted to beat me zero footprint on the earth. So he put in solar panels and geothermal and wind power with turbines and all this unbelievable expense for what it was, but he wanted to do it right. Wow. And he probably won't ever see the the payoff in the but he was looking for my generation or my our kids generations he wanted to do it right wow that's and, great yeah that's, is that common to have that type of foresight I don't know how common it is, but we are seeing a lot of it with the farmers that come to our market because, of course, they're farmers that already care about sustainability. So doing more geothermal, doing more solar panels, understanding um, regeneration of soil, and really thinking how they can leave things better than they found it. So we yeah. do see that quite a bit with our farmers. Yeah. Um, talk about some of the future plans for the market. Is sure. It's the 20th anniversary. What what can we expect in the next 20 years? Well, <laughs> um, so our mission is farmers, education, and access. So mm-hmm. we are always trying to come up with new opportunities for our farmers. We are always working with our chefs to make it even easier for them to order from our farmers. We accept food stamps link in Illinois, and we match dollar for dollar up to $15 per market day. And that program is continuing to grow. Last year, it was over $27,000 back in our farmers' pockets and $27,000 of food on people's table. And what we know is we need to get the next generation of eaters involved. So we're teaching in schools, and we started with about 15 kids two years ago we'll have over 420 kids this year so now how does that work i mean what (laughs) schools and what do you teach sure so we're teaching edible education based off of alice waters who's sort of you know the premier farm to table um chef off of her program um, out in Berkeley. And we are teaching from third grade all the way through seniors in high school at Von Linnea Elementary School and then DePaul College Prep. And we're teaching everything from nutrition, basic cooking skills, how to read a label, food justice, um, really making sure kids feel empowered and know how to nourish themselves for a lifetime to come. And the kids 
love it and they are so smart they ask really good questions we made potato soup with them and then we brought in a can of soup and they're like why are there so many ingredients we used four so they just intrinsically get it and it's awesome would you say like 26 neighborhood uh markets Mm -hmm. there were it's like i said dwindling just a little bit what about like the west side and the south side how represented are they so they aren't terribly represented and that's something the city takes very seriously and is always working with and then with us we know that it's really hard to get in neighborhoods um, and bring a farmers market because there is a lot of it's really a risk for the farmers so some of the things we're doing is pairing access programs with our school programs so we're teaching the kids um, edible education during the day and then their families and the staff can order food from our farmers we'll accept a match link and we bring it right to school so that we take away that access barrier wow (laughs) thank you guys we're out of time. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Good. I gotta come and come back to the market. Please I'll bring do. my camper van. What's the parking like there? Is it, we have well, we have free parking for chefs, and yeah. then we do validate parking at the nature yeah. or the history museum. And at uh, 1817 North Clark, south end of Lincoln yes. Park. All right, before we sign off, uh, wrap around, we'll go around the table and how people can get in touch with you. If they have other questions, they want to learn more about you, Jackie. So you can reach uh, me at or our, our Bushland Pecks at service at bushlandpecks.com or call us at 608-363-3911. Well, that's nice. You give your phone number out. That's yeah, why not? Very, very, I, don't, that's very I think small people town. still use phones. <laughs> yeah. You don't ever know who's listening on a Saturday, lonely Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa? <laughs> you can find us at greencitymarket.org. Okay. And uh, definitely j- check out our website at nicholsfarm.com. Thanks so much for joining us, you guys. And, thank uh, you. Thank you for listening to Nocturnal Journal, and we'll be back soon on WGN.